Hey everyone, this is Jeffrey Wu here with the Health via Modern Nutrition HVMN podcast. And today, I have back on my colleague and friend, Dr. Lat Mansour. Lat, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Um, over there, the other side of the country. Yeah, currently in Miami. Uh, we're going to have to bring you out to Miami. California was a good home for literally the first 30 plus years of my life, but time to make a uh, a new move and it's very invigorating and energetic out here. So listeners, if you're in town, reach out. We might have some time to actually hang out in person. And again, if you've been following both my analysis and some of the latest data, very, very optimistic as everyone gets vaccinated, as we have outdoor meetings in summer, very optimistic that we're at the tail end of the pandemic. So very excited to meet up in person very, very soon. Great. Well, I look forward to a trip out there soon, meet with the team. Very excited today, though, to discuss this paper that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so this paper, we actually saw a manuscript like months ago. So as we were preparing for this research roundup, our deep dive into interesting papers in our interest areas of exogenous ketones and metabolism and human performance and sports performance, uh, this is almost an old paper, but Lat was actually correcting me saying that this actually just finally got released just this month in March 2021. So very excited to finally be able to unpack the literature, the data, uh, especially out of a group and an area that we're very, very familiar with. So this paper actually came out of your old alma mater where you uh, did your PhD work. So an Oxford group, first author David Jirlove, who we also know, published a paper titled The Effect of Blood Ketone Concentration and Exercise Intensity on Exogenous Ketone Oxidation Rates in Athletes. Which journal, high impact, low impact, any other color uh, on, the, on the circumstance here? It's Medical Science Sports Exercise Journal, and it's, it's quite a renowned journal, obviously, in, in exercise uh, physiology. Uh, but I think most of all, I think what, what I would like our listeners to really take note here is that this paper, unlike many other papers that we have discussed, it actually focuses on investigating the contribution of exogenous ketones in exercise. So in the past, we've talked about a lot of papers where we look at the ergogenic effect of ketones, and we looked at how far or how fast can athletes go with exogenous ketones. Whereas with this particular paper, the athletes are not being pushed to the limit or asked to do a time trial, but instead all the participants are going through the same standard exercise protocol and then looking at in terms of metabolism and oxidation and energy expenditure, how much of that is actually coming from exogenous ketones. So that's the difference here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think difference, I guess, is the, is, is the right way to describe it. I mean, I think it's just more understanding the mechanisms of action, right? I think in literature, there is, you know, some still open debate, do ketones work, right? And I think from my interpretation, my reading, ketones can work for certain use cases for certain applications. Now, what are those applications? What are those contexts? We have to unpack and be nuanced. For example, I think the recovery use case, especially as stacked with carbohydrate and protein, uh, very, very robust data sets. However, ergogenic as a pre-workout use case, there's nuance. I think there has to be the right application, the right use, right? Does that mean stacking with sodium bicarbonate? Does that mean stacking with carbohydrate? There are clear nuances of how to best use ketones beforehand. 
And I think this paper actually helps elucidate how and why ketones work. So back to your point, understanding are ketones metabolized as an oxidation substrate to create ATP? That is interesting in terms of understanding the levels and the ratios of ketones, fat, carbohydrates in that mixture. And then is there some limit? Is there some crossover threshold where more is not better? And this paper helped us answer that question. So those, I, I think, are, are the key results here of, of this paper. And I think it from here, I think we can make our hypotheses and our predictions of given our understandings of the mechanism and data for this paper, how to best use and which molecules and which exogenous ketones could be useful for a number of use cases. So appreciate Dear Love et al. for their great contribution to science. Uh, this is why I think I love doing these research roundup studies because we get to refine and further understand our models of how ketones and metabolism actually work together. So enough of the uh, preface, let's dive into the methodology. What was the end size? What exactly was the protocols? And what were the endpoints? Yep, sure. Um, so in terms, of, in terms of the methods, six healthy athletes who have been doing more than six hours of training per week are the participants. And they were also excluded in terms of debilitating conditions so that there are no conditions that may affect the performance. And the exercise, du exercise duration on the exercise day itself is only 60 minutes, consisting of 20 minutes intervals of 25%, 50%, and 75% maximal power output. So that is the protocol that they use. And during that 60 minutes, we are essentially looking at the effect of one, the intensity on oxidation, as well as whole body oxidation, as well as exogenous ketone oxidation. And two, we're looking at the difference between three groups. And the three groups are placebo, low ketosis, which is 0.252 grams per kilogram of body weight ketone monoester, monoester. high ketosis, which is 0.752 grams per kilogram of body weight of ketone monoester. So three groups, six healthy athletes, and they do it single-blinded. Um, they have at least one week of rest between the sessions, the exercise sessions, to make sure that they space that out and wash out any form of uh, ketones that is still in the body, any sort of glycogen that is has been accumulated and, and used up or you know exhausted. So that is the method that they used. Yeah. It's interesting to just, uh, you know, unpack the low dose versus high dose. So for a 70, 80 kilogram human, which is 154 to 176 pound human, right? That's, you know, the, the conversion that's about on the low side, uh, 15 grams of ketone ester versus upwards of 50 grams of ketone ester for these experiments. So just if for folks who have used ketone esters and, and, and are familiar that's kind of the rough ranges that they're talking about, assuming you're a 70, 80 kilogram person where I'm actually kind of in that range. Not to segment on myself, but I would say that I'm fairly average in terms of weight. So any thoughts, any any questions on the methodology? Is, is it a reasonable one from your perspective? I think it's reasonable. I think, you know, throughout, they, they, they did measure quite a lot of things. They measure, you know, the, the bloods, they measure the respiratory gas exchange they even measure the bhp that is in urine to really you know flush out 
whatever that is being used in the body versus whatever that is directly coming out of the body. So I think it's quite robust in that sense. And those three different uh, intensity was also set before the exercise day itself. So they will have to come in and have a baseline measurement where they will have to go on the exercise, you know, to, to really reach exhaustion. And every three minutes, the intensity is increased by 25 watts. And also they have to fit, they have to fulfill two out of four requirements which are volitional fatigue, inability to maintain a cadence of more than 60 revolutions per minute, maximum heart rate has been reached, or the maximum respiratory exchange ratio is more than 1.1. So two out of these four has to be reached to qualify as exhaustion. So that's how they set the you know, 100% maximum output. And then from then on, the 25, 50%, and 75% is based on that number. So I think they are quite thorough with the methods, especially it's personalized to each athlete. And that way we can normalize the results based on the individuals themselves. Yeah, the the most interesting thing from this paper was really just spelling out the relative ratios of metabolic substrate for oxidation, right? So talk about macronutrients, fatty acid, glucose, other fat sources. These are the normal metabolizable fuels or oxidative fuels for mitochondria. Now you have exogenous ketones in the mix. How does that all work? And what was always surprising to me, and I think this paper just makes it really, really clear, is how small, how low of a ratio ketones actually are used as an oxidative source. I mean, if you look at the paper here, the peak relative contribution of exogenous BHB was 4.46%, standard deviation of 2.71%. So literally between 2 to 7% of your overall mix peaks that and as a peak of, of, of ketone contribution suggests that to me, yes, on the margin, having a little bit of the metabolic efficiency of ketones can move the needle at the very, very high end, but it is very much not a dominant energy source for sporting activities. I mean, even if you go at higher and higher intensities, that ratio actually goes down. And the interesting thing is that, and I wish the authors were just more explicit about this. They don't really mention how does that ratio uh, get impacted on as you dose more and more ketones. I think they were very proud to cite that low ketosis increased efficiency. It, it very much stands out to me that it had no comment and there's no data that they published showing what happens for high efficiency. Is it because high or, or high dose? Is it because high dose made efficiency worse so they omitted that data? Uh, it's an obvious revision or a request for improving the paper's utility uh, to, the, to the space to understand really that curve. So that's my recommendation to the authors. We should ask David Dearlove, what happens at high dose? Uh, it, it is like a clear omission that they don't talk about what happens there. So let me just like set the stage in terms of like practical take home points from this research and then talk about applications and how this translates to everyday use for elite athletes as well as everyday consumers. So key result one, the actual oxidation percentage in terms of all possible substrates in the body, ketones are actually a very low percentage between 4% plus or minus 2%. And that actually peaks at about 2 millimole beta hydroxybutyrate. So therefore, this implies that as you have higher than 2 millimole BHB, there's no incremental oxidation percentage of beta hydroxybutyrate. 
So there's an open question. Is incremental BHB useless, neutral, positive, negative? So what could, what, where, where do we sit there? What are the pros and what are the cons? So a, a big con of having too many ketones, the way I see this data here is that it actually decreases blood pH. So it makes the blood more acidic by about 0.1. And that is not a good thing because having acidic blood makes you, that's part of the reaction that makes your muscles sore and, and, and increases fatigue. So that is an interesting result. However, does that increased BHB potentially trigger other mechanisms that might be positive or beneficial for performance? Uh, this paper doesn't answer that. Could you do something like stack sodium bicarbonate to buffer the acidic uh, profile to mitigate the downside and keep the upside? Maybe. And that, that is open research. And I think that leans on Hezbollah's work and other research groups' work to really give us some indication of how to best use these things. But the main takeaway that I see here, if I'm collating, is that you don't need much more than two ml BHB. Anything extra is potentially going to backfire. One, because it's expensive. This, you know, if you don't need anything and it is neutral, if not detrimental, don't have any more. But then two, having between one to two millimole seems to be a sweet spot here. So the guidance potentially is if you have a tendency to have low blood pH, don't go beyond two millimole BHB from an ergogenic pre-workout perspective. Is that too far to, to conclude here? Or uh, what do you think from an ergogenic perspective? Some papers actually show the increases in pH does not really affect performance. It may affect to a certain extent your rate of exertion, uh, the perception of rate, rate of ex uh, exertion. However, as you said, you know, having that low pH, you know, can't be good when you're exercising and you're still producing lactate on top of that. But ketone did, you know, show that it does decrease the lactate production. But I think, yeah, I, I think that's a good advice in terms of either using something to buffer it or not go too high of uh, a blood BHB level to avoid the acidotic state. Yeah, I'm just looking at the perception of exercise exertion and some of the high, so it looks like low ketosis is generally a, a, across the board, creates lower perception of discomfort. Whereas you see actually a little bit of mixed results with high ketosis where some of high ketosis shows more exertion perception and then some shows less exertion perception with high ketosis. Exactly. So exactly what I said. And that has been quite consistent with Haspel's study as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think like the, so to, to try to break it down and, and give it a takeaway nugget. So basically, I think it's like you have to really dose between low and high and match it to your personal, really your personal performance. You know, I, I know that, you know, we work with some athletes that like being, you know, three millimole plus or higher. Some get most of the benefits from two millimole plus. So more is not better here. And then potentially stack with carbohydrate, sodium bicarbonate to ameliorate, mitigate the downsides of having too high ketones. But I think this requires a lot of experimentation, a lot of nuance. I think that is like the, uh, probably the main takeaway here. It was just like, there's not a simple physiology that more ketones equals more performance. And these authors also pointed out that the athletes coming into the exercise day or testing day, they were on carbohydrate rich diet and therefore they may not be as keto adapted and that may affect the low 
ketone um, oxidation. I would like to challenge that because in previous papers they showed they actually showed athletes are more keto adapted and much readily switch between substrate metabolism as you know they they are more trained and their skeletal muscles are more active in using whatever substrate that's giving to them. So until they show that, like I I I don't think that may be uh, a factor here. Yeah, and so. To me, this, this is further equivocation on how useful um, exogenous ketones are for pre-workout ergogenic use cases, but that does not mean that it is not interesting for a number of different applications. Uh, you know, I think there's still very much interest in hypoxic environments, cognitive performance, where you see some neuroprotective effects of ketones in the, in, in, in the system. Is it that ketones don't work for pre-workout? I think you have to consider stacking it with carbohydrate and potentially some sodium bicarbonate and really fine tuning it to your system uh, to, to see the overall mix. And I think a lot of the benefit might be from the, the subjective cognitive effect. I think feeling the little bit of anxiolytic effect of ketones might be one of the dominant reasons why athletes do better on ketones or exogenous ketones than just the oxidation rates. So for me, the pre-workout ergogenic effect is likely something there. It's just not clear that it's from the quote-unquote metabolic efficiency of burning ketones. Because again, as we've seen in this paper, the actual substrate use is quite low in terms of everything else that's being burned. Yeah. And another direction that this paper is, you know, hinting towards is that, you know, the, the role of ketones in signaling and you need two millimolar minimum, uh, you know, just two millimolar is enough to have a form of positive signaling effect. So in that sense, would it be better for us to have a sustained ketosis, a lower sustained ketosis over a long period of time versus having a very huge peak and then fall off after four hours? You know, like what are we actually aiming for here? Are we aiming for the signaling? Because, you know, having that peak doesn't really increase oxidation per se. Would that be better for signaling versus a prolonged sustained ketosis? I think the latter would probably have advantage over the, the former. Yeah, and it's also very cool that this data also adds supporting evidence to our paper, Mansur Wu 2021 in uh, Frontiers in Physiology about uh, the recovery threshold of ketones. We hypothesized between one and three millimole ketones being the threshold for recovery. And it looks like here, two, gives you max oxidation. So it's right in our predicted sweet spot of what is the critical threshold. So thank you to the Oxford group for helping add a brick to our hypothesis, our, our model here. So I think to me, where I see, again, the most exciting potential is the signaling effect of ketones for potential longevity pathways. I like the use case and the data behind ketones as a signaling mechanism for longevity pathways. I like the data and science of ketones for recovery. I think that is very, very robust evidence. Uh, credit to Hezbollah's group and KU Levon. And I think there is interesting cognitive perception benefit or anxiolytic benefit from ketones. I think those are the three strongest areas for me. And maybe I will add a fourth area, therapeutic benefit for TBI, concussion, potentially mild cognitive impairment, where I think it is quite nuanced and quite delicate, where this is almost an art versus a science, is application of exogenous ketones for pre-workout use case. Uh, I think just across the literature published in the, in the last couple of years, 
you really need to know what you're doing in terms of combination, timing, dosing of exogenous ketones, ketone esters with the right other combinations to mitigate some of the, uh, the boost the positives, mitigate some of, the, some of the negatives to really get the performance benefit of ketones from an ergogenic perspective. What, is, is, that your, is that your opinion? I'm happy to disagree. No, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I would love to add one more point there is that this paper solidified um, the fact that ketone does increase energy efficiency, in which case this may be a very interesting area to combat all those therapeutic areas that you just mentioned, because a lot of these areas are due to lack of energy or the inefficiency in producing energy using other substrates. So, substri- uh, sub- so substituting um, glucose or fatty acids with ketones may actually benefit the patient more because you can sort of fill in the gap of where the energy efficient uh, energy deficiency is coming in. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and I think that might be where we see the broadest utility and hopefully we can contribute to that area. And I think that's an area that I, you know, just have more and more bricks of data, just kind of build more conviction here, which is that for top, top athletes, it's so hard to optimize their performance because they're so metabolically flexible. They're so efficient at switching between substrates. However, with impaired metabolism, something with ketones, and something that improves energy efficiency by a pretty large amount, right? Upwards of 25% per unit oxygen. That's pretty exciting from a impaired metabolism perspective. So, and, and, and maybe that, that impairedness also relates to, you know, overreaching for recovery. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is like, this is, this is why metabolism this is why physiology is so fascinating, or it might be like really, really beneficial for like impaired athletes are not very fit and now you have ketones it actually gives them a huge boost whereas if you're an elite athlete it gives you a minor boost or a neutral or 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 or, or, uh, or, or uh, something that's neutral so some questions answered more questions opened up anything else to tease at while we have each other on on this podcast i think you know this is a good segue to our next research roundup that i have lined up which is a paper that looked at exogenous ketones and heart failure looking exactly at you know why ketones would have a certain effect in heart failure because of the energy efficiency you know um, issue there. So that would be a good thing to look forward to. Yeah, excited to break that down with you. So if there's any questions or areas that you'd like us to further unpack or digest here, definitely reach out at HVMN or at Jeffrey Wu. Lat's also on Twitter and Instagram. What are your handles? Lat Mansour. Yeah, easy to find us. Always love the discussion. So maybe to part ways here, uh, let's give final two cents. Ketones, very, very interesting, very exciting area of research, likely finding a sweet spot at around the two millimole range. And if you can hold that for a longer duration, that might be the optimal technology, the optimal use case for exogenous ketones. Uh, that's something that Latin are constantly brainstorming, working with you know, top researchers around the world figuring out how to make this possible, but very, very interesting from this Oxford group helping us elucidate what that magical combination of exogenous ketones, other ingredients, other compounds might do to make the perfect uh, human fuel. Your last thoughts? Yeah, um, I think you covered most most of what I would like to say. Uh, and we covered quite a lot of 
um, areas here, even beyond the paper and more into application. And I think most of our listeners are more interested in application. You know, what is the takeout from here? And I think one more point is the low intensity. Low intensity exercise does increase the uptake and oxidation of ketones um, at lower ketosis level, 2.0 millimolar. So, you know, if you're doing low intensity and you want to, you know, toy around with exogenous ketones, reach that two point millimolar, let us know how you feel. You know, if you feel more energetic, if you feel like you can go further, we would love to find out. Awesome. More science to be done. Thank you so much, Lat. Thank you very much. 